me tell you a story about one of my favorite recent Thanksgivings. So my family has a tradition, uh, a typical Thanksgiving, if you will, that we, my family, goes up to Oklahoma City uh, to visit my parents' house a few days early, and then everybody comes to mom's house for Thanksgiving. Well, a couple years ago, it was going to be different because my brother and sister-in-law were expecting their first child. And my sister-in-law no longer could travel, and so we said, you know what, we will, we will go up to Tulsa, Oklahoma, about an hour and a half away, and we'll have Thanksgiving there. Uh, that seems like the family thing to do. We'll come to you since you can't come to us. And so the due date was very close, so we, we went up there, but we didn't know if she would you know, make, it, make it to Thanksgiving, because at any moment, we knew a baby could come. And so as the day rolls along... Sure enough, what day does she go into labor but Thanksgiving Day? So we get the call that morning that, hey, you guys go on and have Thanksgiving? I won't be there. And so we said, well, sure, as long as Pi's there, then we'll be there for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and so we went up, uh, we went to Tulsa, we were waiting on a phone call, but we were still going to have Thanksgiving, so we walked in and, you know, we had um, an awesome meal prepared for us. We had thanks, traditional Thanksgiving meal um, as well as you could get other things, we had a big menu that year. We had a great ambiance. There was a, a fire going. It was it was a great moment there to get out of the cold, and there was family and friends around. Everyone was in a good mood. It was Thanksgiving, and so there we were, waiting for the phone call at the Cracker Barrel for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I had a hamburger. It was awesome. And you know, when we, when we came up with the plan, we, there were some in our number who, how can we not have a traditional Thanksgiving? Um, and the question quickly became, well, what wouldn't you give up for family? What wouldn't you do for those that you love? And that will be our topic of conversation this morning, is what wouldn't you do for family? Well, my name is Cale Courtright, one of the ministers here. We're so glad that you are here to worship with us this morning as Luke mentioned, it does look a little different up here today, um, so we definitely invite you back next week. We'd love for you to come, but it will look different next week. Uh, for one, you do see our communion tables laid out. We will participate in communion as a family um, here in just a few minutes, but also we have these Thanksgiving meal drives uh, bags up here today, and this is, now a lot of them have been taken from our first service crowd, but this, these are the families, these, every bag represents a family that you will bless today through not only the funds that we raise, um, but putting these bags together. So I want to say thank you again for coming together uh, as a church family to uh, bless these families in our community. So I think uh, we, yeah. I do want to remind you, though, that if you sign up to deliver one of these, you can come up right after service. You can see Jan Hendrickson or... Peggy Ellard, they'll find, help you find your bag. And remember, your name is on it, so if you don't come, then we know who didn't come up here. So. It's up to you. Today we're in the middle of a series called Making Space. And in this series, Tim has been going through some of the uh, more difficult subjects um, that we have to talk about. Uh, especially as, as church people, as Christian people, we should be talking about He's been talking about um, sexism and genderism and racism and all of these things that um, plague our world and that, if we're honest, sometimes are in us as well. And we don't want to be those kind of people because we know that Jesus Christ has invited us to the table. He has made space for everybody. 
for you and for me, and he has invited everyone. And whenever I was thinking about uh, speaking today, thinking about this series, uh, I came across this graphic uh, on probably on Instagram, and I just thought it was so uh, pointed to what we're talking about here today. The world loves to uh, to build walls, to ca- to point out the division that we have, to draw lines in the sand, so to speak. And it's really easy to figure out what divides us. It's very easy for us to to realize that, whether it's age or race or income bracket or whatever, teams we root for, it's, fi- it's easy to figure out what divides us. But Jesus Christ came to unite us. And he came to tear down those walls, to erase the lines in the sand. And as Christian people, we're called to be the same kind of people. We're called to tear down anything that might separate us. Because we know that in the table, that's exactly what Jesus has done. In the table, he invites us all there There is no more division. We're people who are called by the same Lord and Savior together. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving and what we're thankful for. I'm really glad that we got to hear from Dave and Ray and Phil. And would you just give them a one more thank you for that? I know that we were touched by hearing from them, so I want to say thank you guys for participating in that. We have a a lot to be thankful for this year. Um, each of us individually, but also as a church family. We have a lot to be thankful for. There's one thing that we're most thankful for. It's not that we might be a growing church, though that's true, and, and we are thankful for that. It's not that we are a church that people are coming in relationship with each other and deepening the relationship with their Heavenly Father, though that's true too, and we are thankful for that. And it's not even that many have come to know Christ this year. We, we had two that put Christ on in baptism between our services today. We're thankful for that. But that's not where it starts. If none of that uh, was happening, we still have our King Jesus on the throne this morning. See, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, God himself came down as Jesus. And when he did, he lived a perfect life. And he taught and he lived in such a way that pointed people back to the Father. And though he was perfect, he went to the cross for you and for me. And he rose again three days later. By his death, death is now put to death and we have a place with our Father. And for that, we are thankful. That's that's where it starts for us today. Nothing else needs to happen for us to be thankful. But I don't know about you, but I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with Thanksgiving. Sure, I love the family and the food and the football. Not always in that order. Sometimes it's, it's football first. And we're going to have a good time um, at Thanksgiving. I could talk for a long time about the pie that I'm going to eat this week. And I, and I don't mean a slice of pie, I mean a pie that I'm going to eat this week. <laughs> But there's this other side of Thanksgiving. So I don't know about you, but some families have a tradition where they go around and say what they're thankful for. And, and my problem with that is, are we not thankful all the other days of the year? I, I'm certainly glad that our, that our culture, that our society stops and says, let's be thankful. So we have a lot to be thankful for. But if we let it stay on one day a year, then we have a problem. See, above all people... For the reasons I just said, 
we should be the most thankful people around. It should be oozing out of us the gratitude that we have because we know that before anything else, we have a place with Him, with Jesus, who has secured our place in heaven. We know that. Nothing else matters after that point. And so we should be thankful. Gratitude should be our attitude. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but if you'd like to take notes, I really liked that line when I wrote it. So, gratitude should be our attitude. And I like how this uh, one writer put it. Happiness does not lead to gratitude. Gratitude leads to happiness. Don't you know that your best days are the days that you're filled with gratitude? The days that you've been full of thanksgiving, not only to, to God, but also to other people. Those are your best days. Because gratitude does lead to happiness. And so I'm glad we stop and think about what we're thankful for. But it cannot stay on one day a year. It has to be who we are. And so this week we will think about that which we're thankful for. We'll think about those ways that we've been blessed. But that leads me to yet another issue. Because see, I think people in general and Christians are not immune to this. We have a problem with the word blessed. In fact, in a lot of ways, it's not just a word anymore. It's a hashtag. Blessed. You've seen this, haven't you? Whether you're on a social media side or the way we even talk to each other, but it's, you know, I got the new iPhone. Blessed. <laughs> Look at this picture. Look where I'm at. I'm at the beach. Blessed. <laughs> or maybe, you, maybe you'll have this kind of Christmas this year. You'll walk out your door and there will be a new car in your driveway with a bow on it. And you'll take a picture and you'll say, blessed. <laughs> By the way, that's what I want if all of you want to... And really, there's a better way we could say that, isn't it? I got exactly what I wanted. Blessed. I got to go somewhere I've been wanting to go. I got to do what I wanted to do. And now I am blessed. And it leads right into the same kind of issue. Are we blessed only when good things are happening to us? Or are we blessed because of who Jesus Christ is? And what he's done in our life? See, we should be thankful because we're blessed all the time. We're not thankful only when circumstances dictate it. I want to reread what Philip read uh, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting verse 16. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So I want to point out a couple of things about this. This is not a suggestion from Paul. In fact, if you count yourself as a follower of Christ Jesus, as someone who belongs to him, then it is actually a command. But if I'm honest, when I read it, a lot of times this is how I read it. Okay, be joyful when things are going really well. When you have reason to be happy, then you can be joyful. Pray when the Spirit moves you, when the time is right, when you're really feeling it, you know. And be thankful in good times. If we're honest, isn't that kind of how we read that passage? That these things are circumstantial. That these things uh, come and go. We'll be joyful when it's easy. We'll pray at the right times and only at the right times. And we'll be thankful in the right circumstance. And yet that's not what Paul says. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. And be thankful in all circumstances. And see, this is really interesting to think about that Paul wrote this. Because before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul. And Saul was a, had standing in the Jewish community. 
He was a Roman citizen who had been well-educated. He was a teacher of the law. And he traded all of that in to become Paul who followed Christ. And as soon as he did that, well, life started going downhill pretty quickly. I'm sure he wrote lots of books in our New Testament. But he also was imprisoned. He was beaten and left for dead. He was shipwrecked. And all because he made this decision to follow Christ. And yet, he still writes, be thankful in every circumstance. Many of those things, hopefully, we will never experience. This is the calling from Paul. That doesn't matter the circumstance, we are called to be thankful. And it caused me to think about the book of Job. And Job, in your Old Testament, kind of has a similar experience. Job is maybe at the time one of the wealthiest men on earth. He has a lot of herds of animals to his name. He has a big family. Things are just as well as as good as you would want them to be. This is this is who you would want to be. You would want to be Job. And on one day, everything is taken away from him. Messenger after messenger keeps visiting him, giving him bad news about things that have been taken from him. And the last messenger comes and says that your sons and daughters have been killed. And this is how the text reads in Job chapter 1, verse 20. Right after this messenger comes. Job stood up and tore his robes in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all this... Job did not sin by blaming God. How many of you have had way better days than that and yet still didn't respond as Job did? Well, I know I have. I pray that no one experiences what Job experiences. And yet, that's not always our first reaction. I can have, be having a pretty average day and my first response still isn't to worship. And yet, that's exactly what Job does. Messenger after messenger comes and says the first thing he does is he falls to his knees in worship. This is who we are called to be because we know for what we are thankful for. And yet so, so many times that's not our response. And I think the call this morning is to be thankful in all circumstances. And so I don't know about you if your family is going to go around in an organized manner and talk about what you're thankful for. Or maybe like, like my family, it won't be so much organized, but it will be talked about. What are you thankful for? And maybe, maybe you're not um, like me as uh, OCD, but I'll start thinking about that you know, days in advance. What, what am I going to say? What am I thankful for this year? It needs to be unique. It needs to be a little different. And maybe for lots of us in here today, maybe it's been a great year. It's going to be really easy. You were looking for a new job and you got it. You're hoping for a new promotion, and you got that new title that came with the pay raise. Maybe um, you're in great health this year, and, and every time you go to the doctor, it's, it's a good report. Maybe your kids have kind of uh, turned a corner, and they listen a little better than they used to. They obey a little better than they used to. And for those of us with young kids in here, Lord, we wait and we pray. <laughs> but maybe you have a lot to be thankful for this year. But there are some of us in here that that may not be the case. That you think about, what am I thankful for? And instead, maybe you lost your job this year. Maybe you're still searching for a job. You've been searching all year and you're still looking for a job. 
Maybe you had hopes and prayers and yet the doctor comes back with a diagnosis that is not what you wanted to hear. Maybe you lost a loved one this year. I don't know. Maybe you, your, your family was on solid ground and now your marriage has taken a downward path. It's rocky. And you're unsure how that's going to work out. But let me tell you that this today. That we have a Father in Heaven who knows what you're going through, who hears your cries and is with you. And more than that, you have a church family here that does the same. We walk with you. We're here to pray with you. And there is many in here that would do anything in their power to change the circumstances if they could. I was raised in a church and with a faith that, that was pretty nice. And the, and the way that I thought about faith was that, you know, it's kind of like out in the comments. People say, how are you doing? You say, good. You go to God in prayer and you say, everything's pretty good. I, I, I have some requests, but everything's pretty good. And if you go to scripture, that's not what you find. God can handle anything and everything. The Jews have a song book, a hymn book, a prayer book called the Psalms. And in the Psalms, you find 150 examples of their prayers, of their songs, and a third of them are what we call lament psalms. These are people who cry out to God, who give, them, who give him their anger and their sadness. And they're very honest with God in a way that I, always, uh, that I wasn't always. And I want to read an example for you today. An example that for some of you may be uh, your prayer right now. This is what Psalm chapter 13 says. O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, We have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. That's a pretty honest prayer. And there's some of you in here today that this will be your prayer. And I want you to know that you have a God that's not afraid of that. He, he already knows what's going on, you and he, going on within you, and he wants that from you. But I love how the writer of this has a perspective on God that, that we're calling ourselves to this morning. They're open and honest with their, with their sadness and their vulnerability, but at the end, but I trust in your unfailing love. It's, it's a message we heard from our testimonies earlier. That even when obstacles are in your way, even when difficulties arrive, we know who our God is. And so I want you to hear this today, that this may be where you're at, and God can handle it. And you can give those things over to Him. And this is why the table is so important. Because as I said, we have a family here. And we are all invited to this table the same. I don't know how the, what the world says about us, but Jesus Christ counts us as equal here at the table. Something that we've been reminding ourselves over and over in this series is that this is not our table. 
This is his table. We don't control the guest list. He controls it. We don't sit at the head of the table. That's his spot. Everybody else falls in line under our King Jesus. And so where we would put conditions and obstacles to the, to the table for others, Jesus Christ says, you make space at the table because I have invited everyone to the table. See, when Jesus came to the table, it meant something. You read all throughout the Gospels the controversy that he causes by going to the table because when you eat a meal with someone, it says something about your relationship with them. It's a message of acceptance, a message of fellowship. And more than that, you are bound together because of this. So he invites us all to the table the same. And when we partake of the elements together, we are saying something about each other. We are in fellowship with one another. We are bound together. This is what makes the table so important. I think Paul put it well in Ephesians chapter 2, starting verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Jesus Christ, through his body, created one body out of all of us. Where there was once many people, there is now one family under Christ. And that is what we celebrate when we take the communion supper together today. And it's not just those who are here in our number. This has been celebrated all over the world all day. We are one family in Christ Jesus. When we use the word family, when we say brother and sister, we mean it just like we mean it. We will mean it on Thanksgiving this Thursday. We call each other family, and that means something. We call each other brother and sister, and we mean it. You are brother and sister in Christ. And so when we take of these elements here in a minute, I want you to remember this is a remembrance. Not only of what Jesus Christ has done in you, but what he has created out of you. This is one body in him. And so in a minute, we're going to come to the table together. We will come as a family. Maybe you will go with your immediate family, or you will be with your church family. And we will symbolically take this together as a church family, as one family in Christ. And so as we close, if you would please stand with me. At the closing of this prayer, we will invite you to the table. If you are physically unable, there will be people who who will bring the meal to you. But in closing, I want you to remember what Jesus Christ has done. He who was without sin came and took on death for your sake. And it was by his death that you have life. His body was broken so that we could be one body in his name. So let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this moment that you set aside for us to come to the table together. It is a place that we remember your sacrifice. Though you were without sin, you should have been the last one to go to the cross, Lord. We thank you for bearing our sin and our death. And now we proclaim that you are risen 
And in that, death has no more power over us. Sin has no power over us. And we remember this today. And Father, I thank you that you have created us into one family in Christ, in your name. God, tear down the walls that still exist in our heart. Let us see that this is one family. Let us love each other as brothers and sisters. And so we thank you for your body. We thank you for your blood that was shed. This is in your name that we pray. Amen.